You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 77, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He's also a shocking combine snub. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Let me tell you what happens, Mike. I'm a senior in college, and so I, when I realized I was going to be a senior in college for this draft cycle, I was like, oh, freaking sick. Can't wait to make a bunch of jokes about how I should be in the NFL draft. And then I did. And they became very tired very quickly, which, let's be honest, I should have seen that coming, right? I didn't. I thought they'd still be funny. And so then I had to lean off them for a little bit so I could really lean into them for the Senior Bowl. And then I hit a couple during Senior Bowl week, and it felt good. It felt like I'd hit, hit my stride a little bit, leaned off it, and then I knew when the Combine came around, I had to make another one. Like, yo, Combine, where's my invite? Everybody's got to see how tall I actually am. This is huge content for the timeline. How could they not want this? And so, yeah, I made my... uh uh, I was a combine snub today. It's disappointing. I think I'll go as a media member instead. I'll take that invitation as my consolation prize. But uh, yeah, happy Michael Bennett podcast to you. Don't think I forgot. Nice. Nice job, Ben. I thought you were going to totally miss the boat on that one. Never. Look. Unless I didn't have a number, in which case I would have forgotten on purpose. We could talk about Ben being a combine snub, or we can introduce our special guest joining us today. He is the senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network at draftnetwork.com. He's the co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, which is a must-listen year-round, and it gives the best hugs this side of the Mississippi. He is the supremely handsome and intelligent Joe Marino. Follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Joe, how you doing, brother? You know, it's it's an honor to be here with two esteemed podcasters and Ben Solak and Michael Kist. I'm 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 lucky to be here. Really am. We are very happy to have you here, and you you guys have a lot going on over at Draft Network, and before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show, I wanted you to pitch it to our audience. Give the elevator pitch of what you got going on over at DraftNetwork.com, because there's a lot of new things happening that I myself am very excited for. Yes, I mean, on top of uh, hopefully everyone's been enjoying all the written content that we're putting out on a daily basis, the NFL Draft scouting profiles on all the players, the podcasts that we have, but... Uh, it is time for us uh, very soon to launch some exciting interactive features that everyone will have on February 25th. Uh, we're launching a build your own big board. Uh, this is an application where you can go and you can pick from the player pool available and make your own big boards and you can share those and you can uh, you, you can be the expert at the draft network and, and let us know how you rank the players. But then the real excitement comes the same day where, it's a mock draft machine, which is basically a mock draft simulator where you can take that big board 
and insert it into the mock draft machine, and you can run through simulations. And so if you're an Eagles fan and you want to make those picks for Howie Roseman, you can do that based on your own player rankings. You can also use the TDN consensus big board or our predictive big board. So it it is an exciting uh, application that's coming your way that you can be the expert and join in on the discussion over at the Draft Network. I've seen the videos that you guys have put out on that at uh, Draft Network LLC on Twitter, and I am very excited for that. So I can't wait to get my hands on that. Guys, if you aren't following the Draft Network's work yet, you really need to, to get on it because they're for me, it's the only resource resource that I use for for draft stuff. So let's get into why we are here today. The main topic of today's show is going to be analyzing some of the prospects linked to the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 25. That includes heavily mocked players and players that we ourselves prefer at 25. One of the first ones that I'm seeing a ton, and I've been talking about it all morning, and uh, honestly, we could work down almost this entire line from the Clemson defensive line is defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. Joe, I don't know about you, but my current grading formula for interior defensive linemen places an emphasis on pass rush ability. And Lawrence hasn't produced the type of numbers that my grading system would value. That said, he's a big dude weighing in at around 340 pounds. He'd definitely soak up some blocks and take some attention away from Fletcher Cox. He'd be a big plus against the run. But I question the ability for him to be impactful in passing situations. Joe, how do you like that fit? How do you like that value? Well, I'm with you, and I discriminate against deficiencies in players' games as well. And when we're talking about pass rush ability for a defensive tackle, like I got to have that. And if I'm going to take a player in the first round, I got to know that you can obviously make an impact as a run defender. But really, in this day and age, in this NFL, I want guys that I know can uh, can get in the face of that quarterback and provide that interior penetration. And so the thing about Lawrence is he does profile as a, as a really good run defender. He's a bigger guy. You play him over the center. He's going to eat up space. He's going to keep the second level clean. He moves pretty well for a size. I do think he can get into the backfield. Uh, so I get that really exciting run stopping ability, but I do have those same questions about his ability to rush the passer. Is he really going to get to the edges of blockers and get his hips around and hit a pass rush move and make make you know make that pressure that you're looking for? And I, I don't feel overly confident that he's going to be able to do that. Now, he does move well for a size, but I mean, if he's 350 pounds, like to me, I'd rather see him drop 30 pounds. He could still be a big defensive tackle <laughs> right. and move yeah. better and really profile more as a, as a pass rusher. So I think his size is is appealing, but it's also not appealing at the same time because I do think it limits him. Ben, what say you on the Lawrence? Yeah, it simply it just doesn't uh, jive with what Schwartz likes to do. Like if you look at their front four in a vacuum, and you go, what's the missing piece here? You go, oh, it's like a real big one tech. Like, Fletcher Cox is a healthy young man. He's a big dude. But he plays three tech for him. Uh, and when Journey was playing three tech, he was playing it like in, or when he was playing the one tech, excuse me, he was playing it at a little bit lighter, if not the same weight as Fletcher Cox. And they bring in Haloti Nada for the year. He's kind of their defensive tackle, just stopgap with the Journey injury. So they must, you know, need a Nada replacement. That's not what Jim Schwartz has liked to do, especially in Philadelphia. He likes to get smaller on the inside to generate a pass rush, and he'll maintain with his just regular, you know, two, three tech looks. He'll just bump one of those guys into one tech if it's a clear running down situations. And, and he has guys who can move and play the five tech and get five man fronts or whatever. We've seen him do this. Camus Grugier standing up on the outside. He doesn't need a, a, a big space eating zero tech, one tech. It's not the way that he likes to run his defense that we've seen him do in Philadelphia. He'd just prefer to, to add box numbers to discourage the run. So Lawrence's strength doesn't profile to what Philadelphia looks for uh, in terms of philosophically on their defense. So uh, while like, I think a defensive tackle is certainly in play in 25, I think that's absolutely a conversation. 
I don't think Lawrence would be the name if they had a couple of options there. And I think if Lawrence is the only option, they're probably just going to go for a different position. Dexter Lawrence being mock to the Eagles, we have determined that is a lie. So Back let's call. work down this Clemson defensive line, <laughs> <laughs> defensive tackle, Christian Wilkins, uh, edge player, Cleveland Farrell. Two guys I've seen mocked heavily to the Eagles. Now there's two lines of thinking when it comes to rushing the passer for the Eagles. You get Wilkins and you can have packages where Bennett kicks outside. You get Farrell, you can have packages where Bennett kicks inside. Either way, you're keeping Bennett on the field in pass rushing situations. It's just a matter of where you put him. So you feel like the Eagles really don't have to force a position here and they can take a guy they like best if they decide to go defensive line here. So Joe, Wilkins, Farrell, if they're both there, and you know what? Let's let's throw in one more from outside of Clemson. Let's go Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. So if Christian Wilkins, Cleland Farrell, and Jeffrey Simmons are all sitting there at 25, who is your best available player and maybe the best fit for the Eagles there? You know, that's, that's interesting. Um, I like all of those players. The thing with Simmons, when you bring him into the mix here, his situation with, with what happened before he got to Mississippi State with the domestic issue. Yeah. Right. All the indications are that he's really been an exemplary person at Mississippi State. But the bottom line is it happened. There's video of it. And so I really am starting to be nervous that a team is going to take him in the first round and have him be the headliner for their draft class. Take him in the second round all day long. Do the Joe Mixon thing. Right. He's, he, he's not going to be the headliner of your class. So I think I, I, you guys probably know the, the inner workings of the types of people that the Philadelphia Eagles are willing to bring into the organization. So I don't know if they're going to be one of a team that's willing to do that. Would it be worth the value and the pick and skill set, all that stuff? Absolutely. But I, I, that's the big question mark there. So when you look at, to me, I guess it comes down to Farrell and, and Wilkins, and I, I, I like them both. Farrell's a, a long uh, edge rusher, really good technique, has a lot of variety to how he wins, good power, not necessarily the most explosive in terms of really just being able to put stress on that offensive tackle and get around their outside hip, but he knows how to soften those angles and get around. Uh, Wilkins... I mean, he's he's a, such a dynamic guy in terms of his ability to get that pass rush that we talked about that you couldn't get from Dexter Lawrence. But the, the thing about him is, like, he's not immune to getting worked out of a gap. He's not immune to getting stoned on a pass rush. Like, he's not necessarily a guy that I think is is going to be a, a super dynamic, like, best player at his position type thing at the next level. I do think he's one of those guys with high culture or, or high football character. He's one of those culture-changing type players. So, to me, I, I, I like – I'm going to go with with Farrell in this situation. Um, I know uh, that – look, <laughs> calm down there. So, like, <laughs> with Jim Schwartz, you need to be able to get that that uh, that pressure with those front four. And Farrell's a guy that – he you know, look at his production across three seasons in the ACC. I mean, he really – he really put up some good numbers. He knows how to get after the passer, and uh, I, I trust him from those wider angles and being able to use his hands to soften uh, angles and get after the quarterback. So me in that scenario, I'm going Farrell. I don't think he's going to get there, though. I'd like to see – yeah, I'd like to see him, Schwartz, bring in Farrell. And at 25, I think it's great value for the quality of player Farrell is. Farrell, uh, not Farrell, Furl. Farrell's the top 15 player for me, uh, and I really like his game. Schwartz has never prioritized length. And I'd love for him to do it. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I'd be great if he did. Like, I, I think it'd be awesome if he, if he adds that body type to the stables. I think they need to. I'm just – we uh, – and, and Joe will know this because Schwartz is obviously there in Buffalo. Man is set in his ways. He coaches defense a certain yeah. way, and if things go badly, he continues to coach defense a certain way. Like, his, you know, there's, there's – um, he, he likes to, like, you know, uh, stick with his molds and so on and so forth. So, I don't know. Like, to me, it's Wilkins. Wilkins is the guy that I would like to see, and I agree with you, Joe, in the sense that – 
I don't think Wilkins is a, is, a, is a dominant player. Wilkins did not get a round one grade for me. But as far as a, a guy who's playing next to Fletcher Cox, who's a cheaper option there, uh, you you need to get a starting defensive tackle on a rookie contract because you have already poured so much money into that position. Mm-hmm for Fletcher Cox with his contract, and there's no way he's leaving for the next three, four years, given the quality of play, obviously, but then also his contract structure. So you really want to get an impact starter there, which doesn't have to be round one, obviously. It doesn't have to be Wilkins at 25, but you got to be able to get somebody at that spot. The Eagles do have two second-round picks. So Wilkins is the name I like on the um, on the Clemson D-line. But let me ask you this, Joe. The, 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 there's like always a debate of the week kind of like, you know, on Twitter talking about, uh, you know, which positions you like and whatever. I think one thing I've seen a lot of is like, all right, you've got – Brian Burns out of Florida State, Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, Cleveland Furl out of Clemson, Josh Allen out of Kentucky. Those are edges two through five. Nick Bose is number one in the class. Everybody has a different way that they rank him. How do you like him? So the way that I have the edges stacked, I have Bosa one. Here we go. This is where you might get crazy. Number two, I have Burns, Brian Ooh. Burns. Correct take. <laughs> I'm prepared to defend that if there's any opposition in the groom here. Nope. So far, we're two for two. Josh Allen at three. Three for three, baby. Cleveland Farrell at four. No, Ooh. Joseph, no. Oh, what happened? It was going so well. Is that not how you have it, Solak? I have Polite right now as one slot above Farrell for me. They're neck and neck. Oh, oh, okay. And I have Polite as five. Yeah, I have Polite four, Farrell five. But I think I think like the part I feel most strongly about that I feel best about right now is definitely Burns too. Yeah. So I'm happy to see Burns too. Yeah. That dude is something, man. Is he both? Is he in both of your top five, or do you, like right now? If you were gun to your head, have to say he was top five. Is he in the top five for you guys? He might be five. Yeah, I mean, he he's just like the way he sets up his pass rush is like exceptional length, flexibility, a variety of moves like that inside like cross chop rip combo that he he hits like over and over is unbelievable. And I love Josh Allen. Josh Allen just is a is a, a burst and bend guy like. The technical refinement in Burns is so superior to Josh Allen that, like, I couldn't deny not having him ahead of him. Ben, what about you? Is Burns top five? No, I'm pretty sure Burns is six for me. I don't want to tell you who five is, Mike. You get mad at me. <laughs> I think I already know who it is, and we're going to save that fight for another day. But speaking of safeties, one guy that you, Joe, recently mocked to the Eagles is Delaware safety, Nasir Adderley, who is a guy that I safety love. Safety two! <laughs> <laughs> I have a late first round grade on Adderley and I've been talking about the need for youth and depth at safety for going on two years now, especially with all the big nickel, big dime that the Eagles like to play. I'll do plenty of selling of Adderley in the next couple of months. But Joe, what do you like about the player and what made you link him to the to the Eagles in that spot? Man, I'll tell you what, I thought Corey Graham was was toast <laughs> when uh, he left Buffalo. Listen, My God, he's still playing? Preach, what is going Joseph, on? Joseph, preach on the topic. By the way, Joe is the host of Locked On Bill, so he has uh, vast experience with Corey Graham. <laughs> when I, uh, I, like, I didn't even know Graham was still in the league until I saw a <laughs> Solak tweeting about him during a, an Eagles game. I'm like, what? What? He's playing meaningful snaps late in the he season? He knows the system. Evidently he is. <laughs> I bet he does. Yeah. <laughs> And he does. Oh, Joe, when they um, were sitting there in training camp, and Graham was not there in training camp for this season, right? They had youngins. They had they had Reeves, Jeremy Reeves, the rookie out of South Alabama. They had Trey Sullivan, a second rounder out of Shepard, or a second year player out of Shepard. And they were just, and neither of them could win the job. And we were sitting there in training camp going, there's no way they bring Corey Graham back, right? Like, Graham was, <laughs> Graham got toasted on a Kareem Hunt run in 2017, batter than I have ever seen a safety. Just like his angle did nothing. Like, he was just not even there. It was awful. And they brought Graham back in, like, the end of August. Like, you know, one week of uh, preseason, then boom, he was uh, starting by week three because of the McLeod injury. Oh, it was awful. It was my nightmare. 
So save us from Corey Graham. Tell us about Adderley, who's yes. going to be way better. <laughs> yeah, what uh, Philly had the 30th pass defense in the league last year. Um, got to get some reinforcements here on the back end. And some of that will come naturally with certain players that they have, young pieces getting better and getting healthy and those types of things. But, man, what I love about Adderley is, well, obviously his tape is just so freaking good. Yeah. I think in, in terms of just film study, he'll he'll be one of the 10 best players I watch just on film this uh, for this draft cycle. But – Man, he, he's so versatile, and, and I think that's so important for safeties. I want guys that are interchangeable, that can fill a lot of different roles and give me scheme multiplicity. You get that with Adderley. I, I can play him in deep zones as a single high guy or in cover two. I, he's a guy that I feel comfortable in man coverage. He's got experience playing corner. He's so physical and aggressive coming forward and playing, ta- uh, making tackles, running alleys. Overall tackling is really outstanding. He's got exceptional ball skills. Yeah. I mean, he just literally checks a ton of boxes. What made me like really put me over the edge with Adderley is, is I watched a bunch of his games. I'm like, man, he lines up deep off the ball. And he still makes a lot of plays. Yeah, like it, he, he processes so quick and positions himself to make plays mm-hmm. despite lining up 20, 25 yards off the ball with consistency. So I just think he's going to be a really high impact guy and a guy that can fill a lot of roles, which is exactly what I'm looking for out of a safety. The first game I watched of him was against North Dakota State. And Same. within the first drive, I had no idea who I was looking for. I do this a lot where I, I, I know the name that I'm looking for, but I don't look up the number or anything like that. I have a relative idea of, uh, of where they're going to be playing. But first drive, it was like, oh, that's Ad- that's got to be Adderley. That's got to be him. He's all over the place making plays. And then that was a 38 to nothing blowout, and he is just working his butt off every snap. So mm-hmm. a lot of respect for his game. Really like him. Ben, let's talk about some offensive tackles. Are some of the guys that I've seen being linked, Yodney Kajus out of West Virginia. Uh, that's a guy I like. He's got some lunging issues notwithstanding. Uh, is it Washington State's Andre Dillard? Who do you want to talk about as far as the offensive tackle goes and uh, ask Joe about? I see. Joe was one of the was big on Yadney early, right? Joe, you liked Kajust. Yeah, I like good players, so I like Kajust. <laughs> oh, because jokes. Did you see him live, or was that Kyle saw him live? Yeah, no, I did. Uh, I was at the Oklahoma oh, game. Oh, right, right. Uh, and he got it's a game he got hurt or something like pretty early on. So I saw him against Tennessee. Yeah, I did. I was supposed to see him against NC State, but uh, West Virginia's cowards and wouldn't reschedule that game. So I was supposed to see him three times this year. Only saw wow. him twice. Is Kajust a guy in that twenty five range for you, or is he more of a second rounder? You know, I think I'd probably love him a little bit later, early second round, but I'm not going to split hairs over it. I mean, he's a guy that I think has every attribute you're looking for in a quality left tackle at the next level. I mean, he moves really well. He's super physical and power. Like, he's nasty. Like, you see some of these reps where he's just putting dudes on their back, blocking through the whistle, whistle getting in boxing matches post get snap. <laughs> you know what I mean? This guy, that's the nasty stuff I'm looking for in an offensive lineman. Gets out, gets out in space well. I mean, he's just got some technique and body control or balance type stuff that yeah, I think yeah. he needs to clean up. And, and some some of his set points are a little funky. It's all teachable stuff, but I love his traits. And so if you can if you can put that all together, I think you've got a, a really nice physical package here to be a quality left tackle. If when you're talking about his issues with his balance, did you see the same thing I saw when he throws his punch? He tends to get a little overextended, little over yeah. his skis. Yeah, yeah. I just just get. Be a little patient. You got the length. You've got every bit of ability to mirror. So just trust that set and, and, and yeah, just don't overextend because, man, you overextend in the NFL, man, you're done. Yeah. But uh, I think it's teachable. I hope it's teachable because he's really exciting elsewhere. I really wanted to see him at the Senior Bowl for that reason. Two Go of ahead. the yep. most yep. patient offensive tackles you're going to find at the next level are Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, right? Peters, oh. but it, Peters absolutely has a lot of aggressiveness to him. There's no doubt about that. But this is a guy who – 
as he's gotten older, has been able to vary his sets less. And so he still uses his little jump set, his crossover set, stuff like that. But he's had to sit back. He's had to go into, like, you know, 45-degree vertical sets and so on and so forth with success. And then Lane Johnson is the is the key example of you have length, you have foot speed. Let him come to you. Let him try to make a move. Let him declare a direction. And then you're going to take him wherever he wants to go, and you're going to steer him beyond the quarterback. And so those are good people to learn underneath. And obviously you have Stoutland, who's a fantastic offensive line coach there. I like Yadney a lot as like a potential target, not only for the West Virginia connection. We know Philadelphia has drafted a ton of Mountaineers in recent years, <laughs> but there's so there's such a strong offensive tackle class. I think earlier, like if you have Jawan Taylor out of Florida, Jonah Williams out of Alabama, and Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, all of the potential to be like top 15 picks, in my opinion. Now you're looking at Yadney. David Edwards out of Wisconsin, who is like a Lane Johnson type in terms of like, dude, is huge and an incredible mover. And then you have uh, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, who's the more like, is he a guard? Is he a center? Is he a tackle? Plays in a ton of different spots. That's your tier two. And those three guys, I think, are the names you would circle for Philadelphia around 25 if they want to go offensive tackle early, which I think the only way they do it is with a Jason Peters retirement. But if they want to go offensive tackle early, then that tier, those three guys are the likely names you circle as who you expect to be there because you expect the first three to be gone by 25. Now, I'm seeing Washington State's Andre Dillard there. I am not sold on that. Anybody who wants to jump on that, tell me why it's either good or bad. Joe, all you. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, Dillard, I mean, I love his feet. Like, he's super smooth with his feet. He can slide laterally really well. You love that, and maybe that'll help him be able to like, take care of some speed rushers. But, like, technique needs a lot of work. And Ben and I talked about him a ton at the Senior Bowl, and he's a guy that, like, you watch that Washington State offense and what they're asked to do, and Mike Leach doesn't shy away from this. What they're asked to do is is totally for that scheme with not a lot of foresight to technical work and, and the next level. I mean, a lot of vertical steps, a lot of vertical sets, excuse me, a lot of instances where his only real – technique or task on a play is to let the let the rusher go where he wants to go and like you said this to me ben a little more than he wants to go there and just you know the ball's getting out in two two and a half seconds and so just do whatever you have to do to make sure he doesn't get to the quarterback and so like there's an entire relearning of how to play the position that's going to have to happen for dillard at the next level i don't necessarily like his hands overall functional strength's pretty poor so you're just looking at a guy that can move and has good size and length so a lot of work to be done there with Dillard. So he's not very clean, and I'm not comfortable with him at 25 or anywhere near. Yeah, I think like, right, if he were to be a guy who were to sit and be around, then sure. Like, you know, be around right. in day two. But he won't be because the NFL is probably going to overdraft him. And the thing is, like, you talk about yep. what Washington State does in their offense because they can get rid of the ball so quickly. Right now, just off the top of your head, both of you cover the draft pretty closely. Who is the top edge rusher coming out of the Pac-12 this year? Hollins, maybe? Yeah, yeah I was going to say Hollins. the Oregon kid. Who, right, Justin Hollins is not a household name. Justin Hollins ain't going on day one or day two, baby. Like, uh, Pac-12 right. is not... Pro- Shrine guy. Yeah, he's right. not, they're not producing a ton of edge talent. And so many defenses there are running three-man fronts, and they're running slanting fronts, and they're they're two-gapping with their edge defenders because of how many option attacks and, and, and these, like, you know, multiple pulling kind of read option looks that you get from offenses in the Pac-12. So... Even like when Dillard was like pass protecting for more than three seconds, the 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 edge spent the first second of that in a two you know in an even stance, like not in a staggered stance, reading the backfield. So he didn't even have get off. You know what I mean? It's like he's not even getting tested with first step explosiveness. So there's there's just so much 
like like there's a lot about Dillard to like, but there's so many holes that you just don't know if they're filled yet because maybe you haven't worked them out or you just haven't seen him play that tape that it's just such a tough first round valuation. Like that's such a hard leap to take for me. All right, so let's move on to skill positions because they're the sexiest. They get the people going. But do names like Alabama running back Josh Jacobs or Oklahoma's wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown move the needle for you, Joe? And before you answer, one quick note on the Alabama connection there, as there's a report that the Eagles are likely to bring back former director of operations Joe Panunzio, who spent last year coaching the tied running backs. Uh, But Joe, Ah. either of those names do it for you. If you said gun to head, you have to pick one. I'd pick Josh Jacobs. Amen. Um, I think I think he does, I mean, everything, right? Like, he's powerful. He's elusive. He pass blocks. He catches the football. He's super competitive. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, him not wanting to battle for every inch. I mean, I, I've shared some some gifts on my timeline lately. Just situations where he just runs over dudes and makes makes guys pay for coming at him soft. Like, I love that yeah. about him. It's it, and I and I actually like that he's he was the third back at Alabama. Like so do I. Low low tread under three hundred touches. Right. I've got. I yeah. I, I I've seen enough. I know what he can do. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, you, you get into positional value and those types of things. So at twenty five, like I'd love to get him in the second round. But if he's going to be the difference maker on the offense, then yeah, go ahead and get your guy. Ben, either of those names do it for you. Right. I'll take Hollywood Brown. No. Next question. Uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's the thing about Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Deshaun Jackson comp. I'm there. Like I can definitely see the shades of Deshaun at Cal. The thing was like, if Deshaun at Cal was Hollywood, then all of this extra buzz that, that Hollywood is getting right now is kind of a result of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley and then the Oklahoma offense, kind of all the, uh, all the attention that that gets and, and so on and so forth. Like we got to remember Deshaun Jackson was drafted. He came out, he was picked at 49 overall in the second round. He was a barely a top 50 pick. We were like, I'm sure they were talked about him in round one, but the league was not ready to go for him in round one. And I acknowledge that the league has changed in the 10, 12, 11 years it's been since Jackson was drafted. But we have to acknowledge that, like, similarly to Dillard, there are limitations on a player like, you know, a, a, a 5'7", 180-pound dude like Hollywood Brown playing in an offense like Lincoln Rise in the Big 12 that we just can't answer, that we just really can't, you know, uh, conclusively say, like, all right, how well is he going to, you know, like, fight through good press coverage to get to, like, a 15-yard dig? We've never seen him do it once, and he doesn't have the frame that lends itself for that. Right, we're talking down the field. He's uncovering from people fantastically, and I love it. But he's going to be in more contested situations. He's going to get hit harder. They're going to be safeties that close faster at the next level. It's going to happen. And there's not a ton of positive film for him there. So he's a he has a role that means he's going to stick. Great. That's step one. They always like, what does a player do well? Hollywood Brown can fly. He does that really well. Like check that box. <laughs> And with the ball in his hands, he's ridiculously electric, and you're going to want to get it there. So you're going to give him touches. So he's going to be a part of your offense. Are you willing to value what I think is an incomplete evaluation with some red flags, with some big concerns in round one? The answer should be no. And that's what's important to remember. The heights are great. But in round one, you have to be able to answer a lot of questions. You have to be able to like prove a prospect kind of beyond reasonable doubt. And to me, there's reasonable doubt on Hollywood Brown. The only reasonable doubt there is on Josh Jacobs is that he's a running back and the drafting one round one maybe isn't super necessary. Other than that, dude's a slam dunk eval. He's awesome. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about second and maybe third round prospects. I might get like one name each from you guys, but like someone I'm willing to wait for at the end of day two or around that area, Mikkel Hardman, the wide receiver out of Georgia. Brandy. Joe loves Mikkel Hardman. Ask Joe who's going to run faster, Hollywood or Mikkel. Do Ooh, I love Mikkel Hardman? I didn't. I was unaware of that. You were um, the first. You were the first person to tell me about Mikkel Hardman. You told me you 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 said that Mikkel was having a great game. This was during the season, and then you asked. You said. Are we sure Hollywood Brown's going to be the fastest runner at the combine for wide receivers? Oh, okay, yeah, in terms of, yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's a that's a uh, pretty penny bargain bin there for you. Right. So, like, I mean, yeah, I think they're probably equal speed. I'm not sure Hardman's slower than him. I think that they're both going to be low four three guys. Right. And so, yeah. like, if you can get Hardman fifty picks later, that's what I'm <laughs> saying, baby. Like, I'm yep. that's I'm going to do that for sure. Yeah, so I think we're all in on that. Okay, am I leaving anybody out here? The first round discussion, maybe Charles Amenehu from Texas. Joe, are there any other names when you were doing the mock that I, we haven't mentioned yet, or are we pretty much good here? No, I like the names that we brought to the table. I, I think I've seen some stuff where maybe there's some concern at linebacker with the uh, the Jordan Hicks situation or whatnot. But um, who do you have, Mac Wilson or Devin White as your top linebacker? <laughs> uh, I need to, uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually the next thing I do when we get done with recording this podcast is I'm working on Devin Bush from Michigan. Who's my top guy? I you're gonna have to you're gonna have, I'm not prepared to answer the question. I need to Same. I need to see some I'm more not. Devin Bush though. Probably not I, gonna I be uh, not gonna be Devin White, right, Joe? No, I have concerns about <laughs> Devin White. Which <laughs> Me I too. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I man, he's that play against Georgia and the goal line where he Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? He got Rage. swift there at the at the sideline there. Unbelievable! Like he he <laughs> yeah. can scoot and he's built like he's a tank. But like that doesn't matter if you can't process. And I think we right. maybe jumped a little bit on the train there with saying, "Oh, this guy's really cleaned up his 2017 issues." Like not when I watched the deep dive. There's a lot of misreads. There's a lot of situations where he just vacates space that he's re- accountable for. There's times where he just doesn't. He's not in his gaps and like. Amen. And he doesn't get ahead of he doesn't get ahead of blocks, and he doesn't have a, he's not good at getting off a of block. So like, if he gets the mental side down, like yeah, every physical ability necessary to become a star, but he's got a long way to go, and uh, I'm not super comfortable with him right now. Are we, uh, Mike? Are we sure we don't want to talk about corners? Because I've been told the Eagles need a corner in round one. That's been a thing that's been happening. I've been told that they don't by you repeatedly, so I've been avoiding it's that. Amazing. There are multiple mock drafters, you know, big draft TM, who are like, "Listen, Eagles, man, really need need to draft that outside corner in round one." Meanwhile, the Eagles have currently nine thousand corners on rookie contracts. <laughs> if they were to add another one at any significant point. Even like late, because they have so much depth. It's not about like they don't they need starters. Yeah, but the thing is they just have to figure out which ones are the ones on the roster. They already have literally five corners on rookie deals. Let me play the role of question asker here, Ben Solak, because (laughs) I you know, I I am a a, uh, (laughs) is that a word? (laughs) I I went with it. I am uh, one of those people that have done, you know, I do mock drafts and I you look at it and like we talked about already, thirtieth ranked pass defense in the NFL and you look at this depth chart and you, right. you know, oh Sidney Jones he's pretty good and Rasil Douglas he you know he's got some size and length and ball skills but you're like Maddox is he what is he his safety what is his role like you can see why maybe somebody that's not intimately connected to this team would would want to go cornerback I mean Jalen Mills looked like he was toast a lot of times right. last year so like right. tell I mean outside of them having a bunch of young guys on rookie contracts like is there enough quality here to think that the people are in place 
to solidify the back end here. Well, let's start from like a good place. Yeah, Jalen Mills, toast. Really hoping we don't see Jalen Mills start again this year. That's been a hope <laughs> for a couple of years now. Uh, Ronald Darby is obviously a big question mark here. If they let Darby walk, then perhaps mm. there's you're talking about, okay, well, we, we want to go ahead and reinvest in this position because we're just gambling too much on too much young talent. Though getting a rookie kind of doesn't really solve that problem. You know what I mean? You'd really probably more so get a veteran. Um, but the the... What we understand is they're going to try to bring Darby back cheap coming off of a, of a, a another season-ending injury, which, you know, tricky game, obviously, like, you know, how's his health going to be, but the idea is that they want to bring Darby back. Now, you have Sidney Jones, who's not been able to be healthy for two seasons, absolutely, but he had some good flashes during this second season, where he was obviously much more healthy than he was in his first season, which he basically missed the whole thing with the Achilles injury. Rasul Douglas came along very nicely through the end of the season. And Sewell's been a guy we've seen start in like a backup capacity for a couple of, uh, a couple of years. Like we'll get two games here, three games here. And he's kind of up and down, good tackles, bad tackles, good plays, interception, bad play, blown coverage, you know, whatever. He got like a long drawn out set of starting reps at the end of the season and really flushed out nicely. I mean, when you get in, got into the playoffs, they weren't targeting him. Like, they were, like, the, the Bears stayed away from his side. The Saints stayed away from his side. Like, they did not want to go his way. He's really done well developing better zone instincts in a traditional cover three. So, Sewell's a guy that you want to see starting next year. He finished last year very strong. And then it's Avante Maddox and Cravon LeBlanc. Two additions, you know, Maddox was the rookie, LeBlanc was a, a desperate free agent who've done very well for themselves in the slot. And so you think between Darby slash Sidney Jones on one side, Rasul on the other, and then Ma- Maddox and Cravon LeBlanc as your three and your four, you have a good base. You can't really cut anybody because they're all on rookie contracts. So it's like, who would, you know, if you add another body, you just have so many people and you like, who are you going to get rid of? Like, it's not really going to be a value cut. And then the final point, would be just like, yeah, they had a terrible passing defense, but it's important to remember, at one point the injuries were so bad, they were starting Devontae Bosby and Chandon Sullivan. So, like, they, like it, it was... And Dexter McDougal and Corey Graham. A three, and- <laughs> four game stretch where they literally were pulling guys off the street to play. I mean, Josh Hawkins was out there playing mm. in the penultimate in the Dallas game, which I don't know if you know Josh Hawkins, Joe, but I don't either. So, like, that's where we were. <laughs> so, yeah, that like that tells the story a little bit of the pass defense. Um, but generally, like, because they have so many young rookie contracts, they're not really going to cut anybody. So I don't really think it makes a lot of sense to add a rookie contract. Um, the only thing I could see making sense is adding a veteran if you let Darby walk. I think that pretty much explains it. Thank you. So Yeah, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. So we're taking Byron Murphy from Washington. That's the corner. That's that's what we're doing. He's the most Philadelphia <laughs> corner on tape that ever. scheme fit. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, he just he's not that great of a tackler, which Swartz really values. But other than that, you watch his tape and go, yeah, this is exactly what our corners do in Philadelphia. It, it makes a lot of sense if we didn't have 15,000 corners. Let's talk about, real quick, just throw a name out there for the second round. There are a couple guys that I like, but I'm also writing pieces on them. There's Darnell Savage Jr. from Maryland, the safety slash nickel slash could in a few years be a free safety maybe if he figures some things out uh, upstairs uh, but I already have my top five piece out for bleedinggreennation.com uh, for the draft class he was in there I wrote up I wrote him up and I've also got my top five interior defensive lineman piece coming out I'm not saying that Draymond Jones from Ohio State has made it but he is going to be featured in that piece in some capacity so I'll leave that content for the website do you guys have anybody in the second round where you're like ooh that's that's my guy in the second round. It, it doesn't even have to be for the Eagles, just someone that you really love for the value. Uh, I would say for the Eagles specifically, if they didn't want to go safety in the first round, well, how about Juan Thornhill? Uh, safety mm. from Virginia. He's a guy that switched over from corner. 
he could do a lot of different things. I like his instincts, the guy that processes clean. And you can just tell that his experience at corner really lend itself favorably to playing safety this past season, uh, playing in a lot of cover two, playing in some single high, playing in the box. Like he knows where everyone's supposed to be. So when you have to layer coverage, he knows where those zones are. And he, he does a really good job reading the backfield, working in the throwing lane. So I think he's a savvy player. Maybe he doesn't have the athletic upside that's going to kind of keep him out of the first round, but uh, I like his versatility as well for a second round safety. Definitely a big fan of Thornhill. Ben, who you got in the second round that you that you love? Yeah, no, that Thornhill train, baby. I've been there. I'm <laughs> feeling that in a big way. It has to be second round. Can I go round three? Yeah, hit me with round three, man. We're we're loose here. They don't really have a round three pick. They only have second rounders, if you second rounders. All right. Yeah, like they're not gonna trade, Ben. We're gonna we're gonna let's go into Howie Land and let's make a move like we know is gonna happen. We have a third round pick now because we've moved some picks around. Third round guy. DeAndre Walker, the edge out of Georgia. Now, this is a guy who you would say he profiles more as a stand-up outside linebacker, because he does, but how he's been rushing, you know, 255-pound Brandon Graham off the edge, you know, you know, or not Howie, uh, Jim Schwartz has been doing it, you know, with his hand in the dirt. (laughs) He does not mind guys who are a little bit light in the pants on the outside. So, like, you know, I think we're comfortable there. I really, really liked what I found in Walker's tape, much more so than I anticipated. Uh, A guy who, firstly false steps and is the first guy off the ball which is always a really fun dichotomy because like if you just teach him how to be in a better more balanced stance then he's going to be even a little bit quicker i would imagine coming off the snap as well wins with that first step which is the number one kind of box that you want to check if you're checking out guys who jim schwartz is going to like and then he's developed his hands i think really nicely over the course of the season over the games that i saw developing more inside counters but he 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 wins on the outside he takes the edge really nicely can rush with tilt has good bend it's not amazing but it's good bend and he can work a rip pretty nicely as well strong against the run very active against the run very like you know you know how like Brandon Graham has that one pursuit play a game where you're like, why are you even here? You're not supposed to be on this side of the ball. Walker can kind of do that for Georgia as well, where he just makes plays in the back that he has no business making. So I really like his mold. I thought he was going to go to the senior bowl. We can kill it. He drops out with an injury, so he's still under the radar. I'm not sure how great his combine will be because I, I think he's like a good athlete, but he's not a tremendous athlete. So he may be a guy whose name continues to stay a little bit, a little bit quiet, but I was really impressed. I have him near, I think, a top 60 grade for me. I like him a lot. Ben, I'm always so concerned for you for, because every time we record, there's at least two sirens that go I'm through. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> what is going on in your neighborhood? What's going on is that it's it's it, there's there's uh, immersive fog right now in in Chicago, and so I'm worried that there's accidents. <laughs> this is my number one thought. But as as it's always been, as it's been since we've started this podcast, I live next to the fire station, so just this is this is where. I, <laughs> Goodness, right, I'll move myself. You can bring it home. Yeah, so let's take it home. Joe, before we go, remind the gentle listeners where they can find you and all of your work. Yeah, gentle listeners, thanks for uh, spending some time with me today. But smash the follow button on uh, on Twitter, <laughs> at the Joe Marino. Uh, have a good time on there interacting. So at the Joe Marino, at Draft Network, LLC. Thank you for joining us today, Joe. That has been the Kissed and Solak Show, number 77. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, go on iTunes, screw with their algorithm, five stars only. And we will catch you next time here on the Kissed and Solak Show. Thanks again for Joe stopping by. Great draft content. We're going to have a ton of the draft network guys coming in and out of this show, saying hi, saying what's up, dropping their evaluations because they know what they're doing over there at thedraftnetwork.com. And, of course, always remember, we all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. 
But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.